Okay, so um, as per usual, I am excited, right? Because, and I was saying in the chat how I feel like tonight's gonna be fire because it's a little bait and switch. You thought you were joining here, learning how to increase your motivation, but if you know me, you know there's probably a trick statement, right? Motivation, I'm just gonna kick this off. Motivation's bullshit. It, it, it's bullshit. It's a fleeting thing. It, it's so many other things besides a real thing that we lean on it. We look for it. We pat ourselves on the back when we experience it, but it's not a permanent sustainable thing. <clears throat> um, Alexis, I did find the topic odd. Haha, tricky, tricky. Um, so motivation comes in all forms, right? It comes with, I'm not even going to try seamlessly read my phone because I wrote so many notes for today that I will be very much reading off of here. Okay. But motivation comes with, here's a few things where it hides, a few ways it hides, right? One, it's anything new. It comes with the newness of something, right? Like throw it all out, throw my whole way of living out. I'm going to dive into a whole new brand new lifestyle. That almost seems easier than some of these baby steps we're doing, right? So the motivation of newness. But what happens when that fades? It's gone, poof, in the wind, right? And then you're like, oh, what's wrong with me? Nothing. It's just that it's not a permanent thing. It's a fleeting thing, right? So then how about when we get motivation through self-hate, right? If we're mean to ourselves enough, if we compare ourselves to other people enough, then we'll keep ourselves on track because you can't be nice to yourself if you got if you're not a certain size or you have issues, right? So just be mean to yourself. Do that really hard workout. Do that really restrictive diet because the the more brutal something is, the closer it feels to happening, right? So there's motivation in that in that hardness. How about um <clears throat> Out of all of these, what if what you're not doing is searching for motivation? What if you're, what you're doing is seeking dopamine? Especially those of us in here who are neurodivergent, we're going to be dopamine hunting. We're not going to do anything that we don't feel we're driven by dopamine for. And when something's new or something's difficult or something has the potential to be this whole new way of life that gets you everything you want, that motivation, that's what we search for, but really it's dopamine. So <clears throat> all of these things are not real. And you know, not for nothing, it's usually an unsustainable source of energy looking at this motivation that inflicts a toll because when it craps out, because it always does, what happens? When you guys go from, I want you to tell me in the chat here, when you go from feeling really motivated to feeling like you don't have any motivation, something, you don't feel like doing it. What does that feel like for you? When have you experienced that? Tell me in the chat. What does that, that cliff when you fall off of from being up here because you're all motivated to start something and do something and give it your all to the feeling of it didn't work out? When has that happened for you in the past? I've shared this story in a couple of other Zooms before, but I'll never forget, while you guys are typing in the chat, I'll never forget the time that I did a medical weight loss program. This was in like 
my God, how long ago was it? I graduated. It was probably like 2009. Um, I don't know how that happens. Anyway, um, it was in 2009. I did a medical weight loss program. Even back then, it was like $3,000 for this program. But it was like guaranteed you were going to lose weight. You were going to, they were going to tell you what to eat, when to eat it. You did one of your meals were shakes. You had to go for a weekly weigh-in, weekly B12 shots, the whole bit. And at the end of it, I had gained three pounds. And I remember my doctor saying to me, like, you must've been eating sweets. You must've been eating chocolate. You sure you haven't hidden anything? You sure you didn't snack here or do treats here or there? And I was so defeated by that because I was so diligent. I listened to everything I was told to do. And I stayed on track because I said to myself, anybody can stay on track for three months. I, I honestly forget how long the program was, but I hope it was three months for three grand. But, um, you know, like I had that time limit of how long I had to really give it a try. And then when I reached the end, I didn't feel motivated to continue going. I felt like, screw this. What is the point? And then I wallowed in it. And it's not always a food binge that you fall into. It could just be not caring about yourself, not going for things, not being happy in your everyday life. Like that feeling of defeat, it branches into so many other areas because you feel responsible when it's not you that didn't work out. It was the plan that you were on was unsustainable for everybody. It's what keeps this industry going. Let's see when something bad happens and, or I get negative comments or people are dismissive. So that makes you feel like your motivation just tanked and see today. I want to refocus on this because for us, it's consistency, not motivation. So the title of the zoom was how to increase motivation, right? But I don't want you to think of it as because motivation's bullshit as we're, as we've discussed, and it's easy to fall off of and fall from grace on when we're trying to be motivated, right? We're going to plan on consistency. And now you might think, but how can I be consistent if I'm not motivated? Every year we run into this every year. It's not just in us individually, it's everybody, especially those of us who have hormone imbalance, right? The sun is out less, uh, things get cozier when you're on your off hours. So, you know, when you're not working, because it's getting darker earlier, depending on where you are, it might be colder, you know, like it it just it feels like you want to have more of a cozy time once you're not responsible for things. Um, holidays and traditions, trauma <laughs> gets brought out this time of year a lot more typically, um, seasonal affective disorder, vitamin D levels drop, all of these things happen around this time of year. And we seek out, when this happens, we seek two things, comfort and convenience. Comfort and convenience. Comfort to soothe us, comfort in tradition, in allowing ourselves that comfort because we're being festive or because it's the time of year we deal with things that, you know, past traumas. It's a lot of comfort that we innately are seeking during this time, right? And then because we have less energy to do the things we have to do, we're putting out a lot more energy, maintaining our usual stuff. Because we want to be more low key, we have this in, this biological response to be to hibernate in a sense when there's less sunlight, sun exposure, when the sun's farther away. Can't talk. So because we're always fighting this internal programming that now that the sun is farther away, now it's time to get more rest. It's time to be more low key, store up, 
you know, get pudge up a little bit, you know, things like that. We're fighting that biological tendency with the seasons and we're having to put out even more energy just to maintain work, home, our stuff we have to maintain where it was maybe easier to do that when we were more hardwired to be more productive when there was more sun. So we're spending more energy doing what we were doing before, but keeping those things going, keeping our career going, our home going, things like that. So when we're depleted because we're having to put more energy into maintaining things, that doesn't leave a whole lot for us after at the end of the day. And that's without it feeling like you want to be more cozy at the end of the night. That's just in general, because you're more burnt out from your managing your day as these seasons change, you're going to have left less leftover at the end of the day. So chasing motivation, when it ain't even about motivation, it's just about game planning and having a different approach. Chasing motivation means that our consistency ebbs and flows with however motivated we're feeling. And we're just blaming ourselves for not for that not being consistent when we know motivation is fleeting. So when we're more depleted and we're expending a lot more energy to maintain stuff, we crave comfort, but convenience as well. Why? Because thinking of what our body needs when we're dealing with the traumas of the season or the day to day. We're dealing with not feeling well. We're dealing with keeping our work going, even though we're tired and we're tired and just not in that same headspace. All of that. Thinking of what your body needs when you're juggling all those plates seems silly. And if you haven't gotten, tell me if any of you have felt this way before. If I haven't gotten to where I want to be yet, this one thing isn't going to kill me. Or it's, you know, it's this, this deeply programmed thing where, um, this is all kicking our ass. And at the same time, there's that justification of it's the winter time, or I'll care about it after the holidays, or I'll care about it in the new year. And my thing is taking care of yourself shouldn't be something you have to put off to when you're feeling your best and everything's going well, because we have chronic illness. We can't always even know when the hell we're going to feel our best. How are we going to hitch anything to that? That's never going to lead to consistency. So if instead of thinking of that motivation, we say, how can I attain consistency? We, you can't keep doing it the same as you've always done it, right? We're always trying to approach things the same way, despite other things being different, despite circumstances in your home life being different, the season being different, you know, all of these things. If we're just trying to proceed the same as we always have, then of course, we're going to feel like we don't want to do it. It's just not, the, it doesn't match. Energetically, it doesn't align with where we're at to make it happen. And that makes us feel like we're lacking motivation when really we're just lacking strategy to stay consistent with this new era that we're in, this new season. And you know, I hate a quiet chat. So tell me your thoughts as you're hearing this. Is it making sense? You need me to clarify anything? You relate? Tell me in the chat. And, you know, it's funny because I hear it all the time. I hear, you know, I know it won't happen overnight. I know it's going to take a while. I know, you know, blah, blah, blah. But what does that mean? Does that just mean letting the cock, the, oh my God, the clock run? <laughs> letting the clock run? There's an L. Does it mean just waiting for things to happen? Carry on? 
hopefully it comes. No. And I know no one thinks that, but I think that it's easy when we do feel natural motivation to feel like, yes, I'm putting money, I'm putting moves towards this. It's when things get harder, having a plan for that too, that matters. We're kind of in this all or nothing, black or white kind of society around this, but it doesn't make you, you know, you're not the bad guy because at certain points of the year, you lack as much oomph in certain areas as other times of the year. You can either be pissed at that and fight up against that and continue to swim upstream, or you can accept it and work with it and have multiple plans of attack, depending on where you're at at that time. We're crafty us humans, you know? Considering I had one 30-minute client meeting and then napped for two hours after, I guess you're right. It's different. It's, you know, our body, there's a reason we go for, we go for soups. We go for cozy clothes. I mean, besides it being cold, I mean, people in warm areas want that stuff too. You know, there's just a different vibe in so many different ways as the seasons change. We got to change with it. It's not going to feel aligned. It's also every month for me, the energy dip. And that's big too, you know, um, with PMDD, a lot more people have a lot more PMDD flares in the fall, winter season because of that lack of vitamin, that dip in vitamin D and lack of sunlight. So if you're already predisposed to having PMDD and you know, sometimes the months you'll have an episode, sometimes you won't, you know, sometimes it's back to back, but I don't know if you notice anyone in here who deals with PMDD, if it gets worse for you in the months where the sun's farther away. I definitely see it with clients every year that way. To be fair, I'm also in Luteal and Chicago where everyone has low vitamin D. You know, what's funny though, um, in warmer states, I have, my clients are all tremendously deficient in vitamin D because in a lot of those warmer states in the months where people who live in the cold, the cold areas, we're outside trying to catch as much sun as we can. Um, those are times in those hot states, people don't want to be outside and we all work, you know, usually people can't work outside unless they have specific jobs. So it's super common. It just gets even worse now because whatever little there was before, even if you're outside for the same amount you were, because the sun's farther, you're not getting as much UV exposure. The UV index is much lower. So, you know, it's it's difficult. I live in Florida. I try to run from the sun. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's what I hear. Um, and then, Mo, you said in Arizona, they don't go out. So they're all, yeah. And my, my, my clients out in Arizona, certain parts of Texas, you know, it's like, you don't go outside, you stay in the air conditioning, <laughs> you know, so it's tricky. Um, okay, so when we all say I know it won't happen overnight, like I was saying before, it it's like, what does that mean in the moment? That means being patient and having a game plan for going forward. Not the same thing all the time. Like consistency doesn't mean why aren't you doing the same thing you were doing two months ago without effort? There's lots of reasons. What are we going to get hung up on that? You know, so it'll look different at different times. How do we fix this? How do we help? Right. So I have a past Zoom I did on this. I'm going to talk about it now. But if you want a deeper um, elaboration on it, look up the plan of mediocrity Zoom. That's what we're going to discuss a little bit of today, too. Plan of mediocrity. So mediocre means average, ordinary. But it's perceived as such a bad word. Why do you think that mediocrity, which just means ordinary or average, why do you think mediocrity is perceived as a bad thing? Or why do you perceive it as a bad thing, let's say? 
What's so bad about ordinary or average? Tell me in the chat. Hope my voice holds out for this call. What do you think the worst part about the term mediocrity is or being average or ordinary? Not exciting or alluring, because I'm not average, that's boring. Everyone looks for better fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's 2023 in a nutshell. Everyone wants better, faster, you know? For some reason, society tells us we have to constantly go above and beyond to be successful. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny. I always think about like, there's that one, I don't know if you guys can relate to this. Do you ever have that one person in the office or where you work where you're like, how the hell do they just get by? Like they do the bare minimum. They're never really caught up in any drama. They just don't get bothered. They just do their shit and leave. And you're just kind of like, oh my God, they're not doing anything wrong. They're doing what they're hired for. Right. And I'm not saying if they're dumping work on other people or slack. I, I mean, like truly if the fly under the radar ones are, they're living the dream. They're doing exactly what they're there to do. It's interesting. Right. But almost every workplace has got at least one. So all day I hear people tell me, I just want to be normal. I want to feel normal. And I wonder why we're taught to shun mediocrity, which is essentially just normal, basic, average. And we shun that. But I hear all the time, I just want to be normal. I want to feel normal. I just want to have a normal life. So I'll ask this question differently now because you guys told me what the negative connotation behind mediocre is. Oh, wait, I think we got some good stuff in the chat here. Um, I... I've not got a huge drive for work and things like that, but I still feel like this with writing. What do you mean? If you can explain what you mean, Mo. I, I used to do her job. She has told me that I cared too much about the clients. I mean, there's a line, like I said, like if you're doing someone else's work, not okay. But if you ever worked with someone where you're like, they just clock in, clock out, get their stuff done and that's it. Like they don't, they don't go above and beyond. They do their job, but like, they just fly through, fly under the radar. I was always irked by those people because I also realized that I innately go above and beyond, especially if it's something I'm passionate about. But that doesn't mean that that's that there is any right or wrong way to do it. You know, it's just that it's interesting that it's kind of like we're programmed to look down on mediocrity. The issue I have at work is that I have one coworker who does way too much and has made that look like the baseline for the rest of us. Ooh, we got the different perspective from it. Okay. Um, that's a good point, but relish in the fact that that's that person's decision to go above and beyond. Now, here's the thing. It doesn't always mean that that person that goes above and beyond gets promoted. It doesn't mean that they get, you know, all of the glory and stuff like that. Sometimes it does, but if, if you want to go and do above and beyond because you're really looking to move up the chain and you know that that will actually get you there, because how many times are we going above and beyond and then it doesn't go there and we still don't get the glory? There's no guarantee at the end of the day. So if he wants to bust his ass and you don't care to, you know, you don't think that it would guarantee you a, a growth, there's nothing wrong with doing just what you got to be there to do. 
You know, we could talk about this more privately. I love this topic, by the way, because that's the other side of it is when you set the bar, it makes it hard, but okay. Promote Mr. Do it all. Great. <laughs> you know, um, I'm okay doing the bare minimum and I've never overworked, but with writing, I always compare and try to be like better. I definitely think that's, it's also, it's like where our passion lies, you know, and it's also, we take pride in our talent in certain, in those areas. So we're going to be our harshest critic. That's a whole other topic. But I think, you know, in this, I really, I literally do not know how to not be extra. I kind of get that. <laughs> I feel like I'm extra existing, you know? So my point, my point to all of this is there will be days when you're extraordinary and maybe your threshold is also extraordinary that day, but there will be days where your threshold is in the basement. And in on those days, mediocre is still better than burnt out, not at all, pissed off, sick for a week after because you stress so much. You know, like all, all the resounding effects of trying to always be extraordinary lead to us never consistently being extraordinary. We burn out every time, whether it's with food, with work, with exercise, with anything. The, the goal to long-term consistency is ebbing and flowing like life does with bouts of high threshold activity and high threshold capabilities and low threshold activity and low threshold capabilities. So plan of mediocrity. Um, the idea is you want to have a plan for when that threshold is in the basement. You want to say to yourself, you know, gauge your threshold for the day. And if it's a high threshold day, what are those high threshold activities that you're more inclined to be able to do? If it were to be a low threshold days, what are your bare minimum bases you need to cover? Right. And some ideas I wrote here, because it's going to look different for everybody. But do you have frozen safe foods, quote unquote, that you keep in your freezer only for when you're in this weird mood where you worked all day, you're burnt out, you have no motivation to take care of yourself at night. It's either you're going to not eat, you're going to order something that'll make you sick. Can you keep some safe foods in your freezer for just those moments where you don't have to think, you know, you can just gum it down and move on with your night? Um, do you have to have like a certain set? like binge food that you keep around that's hormone friendly, but you let yourself nosh because you know you're more inclined to at that time. Um, what else did I write here? Do you have to figure out a classic order from different local places because you know you're less inclined to cook on those days. So you'll want to order out and you want to th want to think about it. What can we do ahead that maps this out for you? So when you're in that place, instead of trying to fight it and be like, what's wrong with me? I suck. I'll try again Monday. Instead, you're thinking, okay, time to enact my plan of mediocrity, time to roll with these punches because things are different. And at least you feel with everything kind of out of control, even if you're not feeling quote unquote motivated, you'll feel plotted out, <laughs> you know, you'll feel gathered. Um, and I think that on low threshold days, that's better than not feeling like you have your shit together, right? Even if it's something as simple as I have a, a standby meal that I order. Um, another good one here for plan of mediocrity is include your partner. If you have a partner, tell them about this stuff. I always tell my clients, blame me. Be like, Michelle told me to try blah, blah, blah. Right. And because 
you know, you're paying for the program, <laughs> your partner will probably want you to follow through with those things, right? So blame me. <laughs> but um, have a code word that you discuss before the situation comes up. And when this code word is said, it can be anything, right? When this code word is said, you go into this plan of mediocrity where maybe your partner knows your standby order. So I utter, I don't know, I say water bottle. I say water bottle and Nick knows to order wushu pork from the Chinese place. Have a code word for the things that just take the life out of you to try and uh, ask for at the end of the day, but you know would be helpful for you. If you can, if you can tap in a partner, let's say you say a code word and that means hands up, I got to get the hell out of here. I got to go get, I got to cool off, decompress. If you're able to do that, bring them into it because if you got, if you're not feeling burnt out and you're not feeling like you have nothing left for yourself at the end of the night, it's only going to improve the atmosphere for everybody in your home. <laughs> so don't feel bad tapping them in. All right. So, um, I literally do not. Oh, I have a special bin of curated snacks in my pantry that are just for me. I love that. Yeah. Like a rescue bin, you know, um, you try to like re replace thing. Don't try to replace the actions because you're having a low threshold day. If you're snacky, you're snacky. Don't fight it, but at least have something that backs that up where, you know, it's off your plate to have to worry about if it's going to affect you hormonally. Right. Um, and don't forget to tap your partner in. If you need help coming up with your individual plan of mediocrity, text me and then we'll just map out what those bases, like what bases you would want to cover. Like, because that's the goal. When it's a plan of mediocrity day, you say it to yourself, you accept the fact that I'm going to relish and luxuriate in the idea that I am running at a, deep, at a, a slower cylinder right now. Slower speed. I don't know why I said cylinder. Slower speed right now. And roll with that. I just got to cover. Boom, boom, boom. Once those are taken care of, I can kick back. I'm not responsible for thinking of more. I'm not, I don't need to think of more today. Tomorrow I'll wake up and I'll gauge my threshold then. Let's see what else. Yeah, basically to conclude, I repeated myself 17 times, but <laughs> low threshold mediocre moments combined with those higher threshold times that will happen too. Both of those together still equals farther along than having it only be 100% good or completely fallen off because you got nothing left to give. And motivation is what just keeps us jumping lily pad to lily pad. All right. So um, I want to know, wow, I kept it to a half hour today. Okay. So I want to know what your thoughts are. I know I rattled off a lot at you, but what do you think about this concept of I don't consistently operate the same. I consistently gauge the day and have a plan of attack for where I'm at. Does that seem more attainable and doable? Especially in the seasons, like I said, um, and those of you who jumped in after, check out the front because I came in guns blazing with this talk, <laughs> but motivation's bullshit, you know? Don't stick yourself with that going into a completely different season. It's it's not a, I don't know. It's like when you get home from work in, in the fall and the winter, there's not that same oomph. So why fight it? I have to be more self-aware. I think all of us can be a little bit more self-aware in certain ways, you know? We're always the our first. It's like 
I use the analogy, like, you know, say that there's this electrician and he's teach, they're teaching somebody how to wire something and they don't offer any instructions and any insight, any lessons. If the person who's learning gets the wrong wire, they get slapped in the back of the head. That's kind of like how we try to teach ourselves, you know, but you can't teach anyone that just by like, you know, slapping them when they get it wrong. So I think it's, it's, we're just kind of meant programmed to be hard on ourselves. Right. So I don't think that lack, I think it's a very self-aware thing to say you need to be more self-aware because I think our first instinct is to just beat ourselves up and be like, you're a lazy bum when that's not the case. Um, especially with season and holidays and all sorts of other competing priorities. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Knowing the HVAC and electrician guys, I know that's not far off from how they train each other. You right. <laughs> I got to find a new analogy. Um, but, you know, I think also, you know, the holidays, they can be fun, they can be festive, but they can also be really draining. And I think that it's important to take that into consideration. It's not, you know, yeah, we wish we didn't have to deal with the issue. If you have trauma around this time of year, which is really common, who the hell doesn't wish that that wasn't a part of their yearly festivities, right? But if it is, whether it's for the happy times of the holidays or the sad times of the holidays, don't put the added pressure on your back of being on your A game when you're naturally dealing more with more at this time of the year than you would any other time. Um, the great thing with a snack bin is that when I asked my husband to get me a snack today, he knew what everything in the bin was, everything in the bin was a good option and I would be happy with any of it. Hell yeah. I love that. Um, I had a client once who, I think I, I told this story, uh, in a couple zooms, but this client was, is a stay at home parent and they, um, they have ADHD, their children are special needs and it's them all day, every day with the kids. Right. And they had, they had this tradition with their husband where when they were on their way home, they would call them and say, what do you want from the gas station? And then the client would pick a, a soda and a candy and then they would get it and they would bring it home. And once they got home with it, that was the client's time to go hide away in the garage and go have their candy and have their drink and just relax. Right. So when we were trying to replace things, she couldn't figure out why she had all the stuff in her cabinet, but she was still having her husband pick something up for her on the way home. And we realized it was replacing the act of having that, the excitement of something coming from outside, you know, from picking something, from having that break in the day where they're by themselves and they're just decompressing for the first time since like six in the morning. Right. So I said to her, I was like, I think we need to replace a little bit more than the items themselves. So what we did was she would tell her husband what diet soda or diet Snapple or whatever that she would want on the way home. And then she would tell him uh, what's what candy she wanted, what snacks she wanted. But he would have the bag in the car already. So it would be a bag full of like smart sweets, Lily's chocolates, like stuff like that. And she would just tell him, I want a watermelon gummies or I want chocolate or I want Oreos or whatever it was that she wanted. And he would bring it from the car with her diet soda she selected and then go in the garage and complete the whole tradition. And that, that stuck. So something, some, you know, like Becca, you were saying about being more self-aware, if we're not beating up on ourselves, it'll, it allows us to learn that stuff about us to be like, Hmm, that's not too simple. There's nothing wrong with me for not getting it yet. Let me try that way, you know, and became a new tradition.
the same way. So uh, can we get a cheat sheet of how to nicely say, no, I can't go to one more social event? Um, I think it depends. <clears throat> oh my God, my voice is get, it's going out. It depends on who it is, how comfortable you are with them, how formal you want to be. If it was someone close to me, I would say, I don't have room on that. I don't have room on my schedule for that right now. If it was like, and it was just like a obligatory get together. If the person themselves invited me, I, I would say I'm unable to make it. <laughs> um, if it was someone close and they asked for a deeper explanation, I would just say, to be honest with you, I have an absolutely packed schedule and I really do need to rest. The other side of that is letting people think whatever the hell they want to think about it. Because some people will not be happy unless you're saying yes. And that's not your responsibility. They can go to therapy for their disappointment, you know? So um, I always feel so guilty, but I just want to stay home and rest. Even if I have plenty of energy, I just want to be introvert and feel extra guilty at the holidays. I totally get it. Like I, I genuinely do love being home. Like even if I'm doing something at home or even if I'm not doing something at home, I am a homebody. I get it. You know, there, and there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to see people, if you want to go out, dedicate your energy there. You know, you'll probably be show up and be a lot more present and have a lot better of a time than forcing yourself to be there for an obligation, you know? And I think the more honest you are with people, the more they appreciate that. Unless you're dealing with like old school, the old school people, like I said, a lot of times they just want to hear a yes. Um, unless you have like a wedding that night or something. But I think a lot of people, especially around our age or so, um, especially people with chronic illness or with anxiety or with anything like that. I think it's refreshing when you're honest because you don't have to be pity seeking. You don't have to, you know, the delivery is everything. If you sound really sad about it and, you know, down in the dumps about it, that has the, the energy carries. But if you're just like, oh, I so appreciate the invitation. I have such a packed schedule. I really can't guarantee that I'll be able to make it, but I really do appreciate you letting me know. And if anything changes, I'll definitely reach out. You know, um, I hope that helps, but definitely text me privately if you need more. Um, is there a list of friendly snacks? So Patty, yay for Zoom. <laughs> um, it's not a, a, a list. If you go in the Pudge page on Facebook, or if you go to the old, if you search meals of the month, I used to have an old shopping list um, in the classroom, which I can send you the link to. There's also a nutrition's favorite list. I have my Amazon pantry. I'll send you these these things. Um, or I'll tag you in them. They're they're in the page, so I'll tag you in them in the Facebook page. Um, but it goes along with what your baby steps are. So if some people, you know, if you have a sugar free baby step, I got tons. Gluten free, I got tons. Whatever it is, I've tried it all. So I'll send you those resources, and then when we figure out your baby step, then I'll be able to give you a couple ideas to try out. All right. Awesome. So I hope that you guys found this helpful. Um, I'm really looking forward to creating your plan of mediocrity with you. So don't hesitate to ask me about that, even if we've done one before, because times change. And if you want to see more of an elaboration on just this part of the Zoom, check out the old plan of mediocrity Zoom. It should be in the page and probably on Spotify too. All right. Enjoy the rest of your night and I will talk to you guys soon. Bye.